0: Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Good
1: morning, Church. How are you going this morning? That's good. I'd like to take a moment to thank Pastor Mel and Pastor Paul. I know they're not here, but I'd like to acknowledge them and thank them for the absolute privilege of sharing the Word of God with you this morning. I'm going to start off with a story. A New York City taxi driver arrives at the final stop for his shift. He honks his horn and after waiting for a few minutes, he honks again. He starts to get a bit impatient and a bit annoyed even. It was his last stop and he was very tired, so for a moment he considers driving away. Instead, he puts the car into park and walks up to the door. He knocks. He hears an elderly voice. Just a minute. The door opened and it was a small woman in her 90s with a soft smile wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it. As she answered, the taxi driver caught a glimpse inside the house. It looked like no one had lived there for years. The furniture was covered in sheets the cab driver walked the lady slowly down the steps of the porch and into the cab. Once in the cab, the lady handed the driver an address. Could you drive through downtown? she asked. It's not the shortest way, the driver answered. I'm in no hurry, she replied. I'm on my way to hospice. The driver and the passenger shed a quick glimpse in the rearview mirror enough for her to see his concern and continue. I don't have any family left. The doctor says, I don't have that long. The driver quietly reached over and shut off the meter and then asked, what route would you like me to take? For the next two hours, they drove through the city. She showed the driver where she once worked and the neighborhood where she and her husband once lived. After a couple hours, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. They drove in silence to the address she had given him. And when they arrived, two orderlies came out and helped her into a wheelchair. How much do I owe you? She asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, said the driver. Almost without thinking, the driver bent and gave the lady a hug. She held on tightly. You gave an old woman some joy. I felt the kiss of heaven, she said, thank you. The driver gave a final squeeze of the lady's hand and the two turned to go their separate ways. He didn't pick up any more passengers that night. In fact, he could hardly speak. What if he'd gotten impatient? What if he'd refused to get out of the car and walk up and knock on the door? the taxi driver couldn't shake the feeling that this single moment may have been the most life-transforming moment of his life. We've been exploring the topic of distinct over the past few weeks. To be distinct, we need to pop. It's like wearing yellow in a sea of black. You're sure to stand out, right? Today, I want to talk to you about the power of of patience. P-O-P. pop. In an environment where things are volatile, unfair, hopeless, patience can bring about calmness and a sense of peace. We just heard a story of how patience led to one of the most life-transforming events of a man's life and also the woman. So what is patience? Patience is defined as a capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. I used to work with a lady in our team who was quite argumentative. She was always fighting with someone or arguing with someone and people had complaints about her and she accused me one day of something unfairly and I was so tempted because it was a series of things and I was so tempted to put in a complaint against her but I heard God say, stop, don't. A few weeks later, through a series of circumstances, I came to find out a little bit about her past and the journey that she'd walked on. And it was God that gave me compassion, and I started to talk to her kindly. Fast forward a few years, and I'm still in touch with her, and she contacts me when she's going through a hard time. And you know what she'll say? She'll go, Trish, can you say a prayer to the big man upstairs for me? You know, that right there, church, is a power of patience. There are several scriptures throughout the Bible which talk about patience. I'm not going to go through all of them. I've got a few for you this morning, though. Romans 12.12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Proverbs 15 verse 18 says, Hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. And one of my personal favourites, Psalms 40 verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. You know, this morning I want to look at why we should have patience and how we can go about developing it. Psalms 145 verse eight says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He is patient and demonstrates great love. This right here, church, is the answer to why we should have patience. The Bible teaches us that God is patient. It is who God is. It's his very nature to be patient. He gives us time to believe and space to grow. And, you know, he's so patient when we mess things up time and time again. If God is patient with us, then you and I have a responsibility to be patient with others. We also need to understand that we're sons and daughters of the most high God. So we have a responsibility to to resemble him, right? So we have to have his character. We have to carry, if he's patient, we've got to carry patience as well. You know, I grew up in Melbourne and I used to work in Melbourne and commute on the train. And one morning I jumped on the train at 5.30am, found a seat in the corner and I usually have a nap because it's a one hour, 15 minute trip. And Anyway, halfway through the trip, someone sat next to me. They were a bit were fidgety and, and restless. So I sort of sat up, opened my eyes, and as soon as I opened my eyes, this man goes, um, are you so-and-so's daughter? I was speechless. Firstly, it was 6 a.m. I had my eyes closed. How did he recognise who my father was? He saw the resemblance in me. Now imagine... Imagine in our workplaces, in our universities, wherever we are, people could know that we were the sons and daughters of the most high God by watching the way we respond in volatile situations, listening to the way we speak to unkind people. How amazing would that be? Galatians 5, 22-23 says... But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Okay, now that we understand the why of why we need to be patient, let's look at how to develop patience this morning. You may not know it, but when you gave your life to Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit was planted inside of you in a seed form, including the seed of patience. If patience is a fruit of the Spirit, then the vine from which that fruit hangs is Jesus. Now we all know that a seed can't blossom into fruit without being connected to the vine. In the same way the Fruit of patience can't blossom in our life unless we are connected to God. You know, the more we pray, the more we read his word, the more we worship him and connect with him, the more that seed will grow and flourish into a fruit, the fruit of patience in our life. You know, God uses the most trying seasons of our life to develop patience. Every nuisance, every long wait, every challenge in life raises our threshold of tolerance just that little bit more. Fruit trees have to endure the extreme seasons of the environment in order to grow and bear fruit. It's actually the frost of winter, I found out, that brings out the sweetness in oranges. We too need to ex- you know, experience the extreme seasons in our life in order to grow and bear fruit. And it's actually in the frost of winter that we become sweeter and increasingly patient. I thought I was a patient person, but I've been walking through a season that's required more patience than ever before. And I've been struggling a bit. And a few weeks ago, I was just like, God, I can't anymore. And I felt God remind me, stay connected to me. Plug into me. So I went into my room and I started singing of his goodness. I started worshiping him. I read the word. I cried out to him. And even as I did that, I felt a new level of patience and endurance enter my life. Today, I want to challenge you, church. I want to encourage you to cultivate and strengthen the fruit of patience in your life. Next time you're tempted to speak your mind when someone accuses you unfairly, Ask God for patience. Next time you see someone struggle in this fast-paced life, stop, take a minute to help them and show them some love. Our patience can change and impact this world in an extraordinary way. I want to finish with this. George Horn, an English bishop, put it this way. Patience strengthens the spirit, sweetens the temper, stifles anger, extinguishes envy, subdues pride, bridles the tongue, restrains the hand and tramples on temptation. I hope that encourages you and blesses you this morning, church. It's my absolute privilege now to invite Louise Gilding, an amazing speaker, up to share the word of God with you now.
0: Thank hey, Trish. You know, it's hard to hold this space up here. Good job. Good job. Amazing. Look at you all, hey? When I was 17, who's 17? Hey! Oh, Henrika. Who remembers 17? When I was 17, I fell in love with an amazing, faith-filled, incredibly talented, smart, super good-looking... I'm Candy Status, girls. I'm Candy Status fellow. He was the Canadian High Commissioner's son. And he had travelled the world. He spoke so many different languages. He was a muso. And he wanted to fly for Missionary Aviation Fellowship. Yeah, I know, right? Our dates consisted of flying. In light aircraft, didn't really tell mum and dad that one. But, you know, but at the end of year 12, he returned to Canada for uni. And I started first year uni here. And I worked four jobs because I had to pay for those long distance phone calls, which at that point in time, there was no Skype. There was no blah, 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 blah. They were like a dollar something or rather a minute. And I paid, you know, I needed to go back over and see him. And then um, visited him in his, his break. And then he came back and he lived with my family. Um, for several months here in Australia. Australia. And because um, he also had a really cute Canadian accent too. Anyway, my parents adored him. And he asked my dad if he could marry me. You know when the Psalms say, Selah, we're just going to Selah for that for a minute. Hold that. So last week, Will Green... Great preaching, amazing message about repentance, about recognising when we need to declutter, to confess, make a U-turn and receive God's forgiveness. But what if it were possible to prevent U-turns? What if we could get a steer on our big life decisions and a nudge on daily life, that prevented stuff-ups and sticky messes and verbal blunders. All the perfectionists out here, you just all leant forward, didn't you? You went, "Oh, could we, could we live like if we go through twenty-four hours without a mistake? Mm, maybe." So the world has many, many different decision-making frameworks. Whether you're an economist, or a lawyer, or a politician, or a psychologist, there's lots of different methodologies for actually making decisions. And some of them are God-inspired, but really they lean on man's understanding. Don't they? Yeah, they do. And I'm not saying they're wrong. A lot of that is really good stuff, you know, and we use those frameworks to figure out, well, where do we go to uni, and what house should we buy? Where should taxpayers' money be spent? There there are a lot of good frameworks. And it's good, and it's wise advice, and even better when it actually lines up with God's biblical wisdom. And Jeremiah says this, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So the Bible is full of that kind of wisdom For godly living across all aspects of our lives. And we know that following it has good results. It covers his broad will. And we know that when we're following his broad will, good things can come out of that. But it also says in Jeremiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares God. The Bible isn't prescriptive. Nowhere! Nowhere, nowhere did it say, Louise, thou shalt marry the good-looking Canadian. It doesn't say it. How do we decide between two choices that both line up with Bible wisdom? How do we decide between the good job and the good job? How do we figure out whether to do best or best? And God being God, he thought of that too. And his word tells us how to discern between finest and best. And how we do that and how we apply that makes us distinct. So Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now this verse tells us how God wants us to use peace. He wants us to use peace. To help us make decisions. The Greek meaning of the word rule is to act as umpire. Peace is the referee. Where we have peace about a choice, that's the ref's call, so to speak. It's the sense, peace is the sense of the Holy Spirit from within. That provides an assurance and a confirmation that we're actually living in his Preferred will. Just as Stu was saying earlier on, you know, God knows us. He knows us and he knows you intimately and he has good plans and a purpose for you. And he wants to help you figure out what they are. And he's given us peace to do that. Let me just be really blunt. When God gives us peace about something in our lives, we know that it's the right thing to do. And when he doesn't give us peace, we know that it's wrong for us. Perhaps it's actually not his best. So here's the thing. When we bring our plans to God before, get that, before we make decisions, we get to check in. That we are not only following what the Word of God says, the broad will of God, but also check in with the Holy Spirit for our specific circumstances. We get to know whether something is what God God prefers before we do it by seeking his peace. We get to know his thoughts, his ways that aren't actually written in the Bible. So, put another way, I think it's possible to prevent U-turns. Yeah, I think so. And I think we need to challenge ourselves to go up that level, to go to that place, to be distinct, to be making those choices where our words bring hope and life always. It's possible. I think it's possible. So what does that peace feel like? And probably the easiest way to describe that is what's it like when it's missing? The Bible tells us that Jesus has left us peace And let not your heart, your your inner self, be troubled, restless, stirred up, agitated with inner perplexity and commotion. So for me, there's a couple of different levels for lack of peace. Sometimes it's just a small nudge. Every time, you know, I sit down, you know, it's like what Trisha's saying when she goes to pray and worship. Every time, you know, I sit down in that space, I get a thought pop in my head. You need to do such and such. And when I obey and do whatever it is, the nudging stops and the peace returns. Often the nudges don't make sense. I've got to not lean on my own understanding. I've got to go with the peace, I've got to go with the nudge. And interestingly, I can put the nudge to the side. It's like if I, had a, if I had a volume dial, the nudge was on a maybe a three or a four. You can turn it down and you don't actually have to listen to it. I can live with it. It's no big deal, but it's there. But when it's something urgent, dial goes up. My heart is troubled. Yep, I'm agitated. I'm nervous. I'm a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm stirred up with inner perplexity. I can't concentrate. I'm distracted. Things need cleaning. Teenagers need to clean too at that point. Furniture needs to be moved. (laughs) Keep out of mum's way unless you are cleaning. Pick up that cloth and join me in my agitation and stirred up state. And often it's a... Don't do that. You can't go there. Or it's a, you've got to do that. Nudge. And interestingly, this urgent situation, which is on like 11, for those who have seen Spinal Tap, only Stew <laughs> It's on 11. It, it, That nudge is often connected to the thing that I was ignoring. And it sort of got bigger and messier. So, peace returns with obedience. And the thing is, though, because God is who He is and He loves us the way He does, we get to choose. We have free will. You get to choose whether you follow those nudges. And when you follow the smaller nudges, you get to that place where Stu was this morning on this stage, where you're out there, out on a limb, and you're following the nudge because you want to bless everybody around you because God's using you and he knows that when he gives you something, you're going to be obedient to it. Jesus walked on this earth fully human and he was subject to every temptation. He got to make choices, and yet he was without sin. I know that when I follow peace, not only in my big life decisions, but my daily actions and nudges, I have. I know I have fewer U-turns. What we want and what we think, what we feel, can be really, really strong desires. But those are unreliable decision-making frameworks. We can choose to let the peace which Christ gives us settle the questionings in our heart. And he promises that when we delight in him, and can I say delighting him in includes yielding to him, leaning into him, going with the nudge. When we delight in him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. Back to our sealer. So my dad said yes to the Canadian who asked him if he could marry me. And I said no. I said no to the perfect Christian guy who ticked all the Bible boxes. My parents were not happy with me. I, I broke his heart. I broke their hearts. I broke my heart. But I was desperately trusting God that he had another plan. Because my understanding was saying yes. My soul was saying yes. My head was saying yes. My flesh was saying yes. My emotions were saying yes. But my spirit, my heart had no peace. And it was messy. And it took a long time and everybody's okay now and God did have a better plan he had a better man for me hello darling I did clear all of this with him don't worry and he by the way is super good looking too I love the way God takes care of all of it not that that's the main thing but alright He knows us. So, to access the peace that Christ left, you do have to do one big U turn. You do actually have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And when we do that, we do have those seeds that Trish was talking about. There's the seed of peace and there's the seed of patience that's there. And that comes, the Holy Spirit comes alive in us. And the Holy Spirit, He is our comforter, He is our guide, He is our teacher, He is our counsellor. Oh, He is so, so much. And we need to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. So when I was 17, I not only fell in love, but I was also filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a big, big year that year. But I had always resisted altar calls up to that point. I had ignored the nudge. I had ignored the, you need this, you need to respond. Eventually, well actually, and the reason why I wasn't responding was because I thought I would be embarrassed. I was fear. I'd done some stuff and I thought I would be condemned for it. And coming back out and doing that fresh thing and making that U-turn wasn't, didn't feel comfortable. The truth was, I was also not up for ugly crying. You know, the big ugly crying. But I did respond to the nudge. And I was amazingly filled with the Holy Spirit and I didn't cry. Instead I laughed and my face hurt. I laughed for so long, he was so good. And I laughed and I laughed and I laughed. I couldn't move my arms either. So in retrospect, probably crying would have been less dramatic but it was all good it was all good and so maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus and maybe you're here and you know you need to actually step back into his broad will and step back into the place of peace and those nudges where you're understanding what his preferred will is for you you can do that if you want to know Jesus you can and if you want the Holy Spirit you can receive him you do need to do the U-turn and come back And if you're being nudged right now, not by the person sitting next to you internally, respond. I urge you, come on. We're all going to bow our heads and I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. But if you want to do that U-turn, pray out loud with everyone. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. And I choose to yield to you. I do a U-turn. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c 3 Watson.